thank you so much for interviewing for our human resources department. You know, before we uh, give you the job here at HR, we've just got a sort of a basic quiz that we give all of our potential employees. Uh, we're going to ask you a question, present you with a scenario, and then I just want to know um, what sort of considerate action you would take in uh, each of the following circumstances. Got it. Uh, some of them are going to be pretty straightforward. Uh, some of them are um, maybe a little bit more conceptual. Um, so let's start with um, you're in the copier room and uh, you're trying to uh, make copies, but there isn't any paper in the copy machine. What do you do? Um, so I kind of go out. I would think I would exit the copy room and I would look for someone nearby and be like, hey, give me some paper. Give me some damn paper. Get back here with some paper. Okay, maybe I wasn't clear on uh-huh. what we're looking for, which is that we are we're looking for uh, sort of like the considerate action that you would take. Oh, but maybe, God, maybe I was trying it, to solve yeah, the problem. I was trying oh, to solve the paper okay. problem quickly. Yeah, no, no, I'm sorry. No, this this is more like a like a gentle manners. Uh, okay, so let's just let's it. just go through a few more here. Uh, you're on a cooking show, and the chef needs the salt. It's to your left. What do you do? I uh, turn to the chef. I'm like, hey, give me the salt. Give me that salt. Okay, again, this. I need the, that damn salt. The chef needs the salt. The chef oh, needs the salt. All right. Uh, so it, I, I would probably grab the. I'm sorry, that, that scenario, I misunderstood. I would grab yeah. the salt. Be like, here's your damn salt. Oh. Take your salt, baby. Okay. okay. Baby, get salt. Oh. Want me to change your diapy, baby? All right. I'm just going to keep moving through this test uh-huh. uh, because it's clear to me. How am I doing point, so far? Yeah. Uh, I, would, I would love if you would leave my office. What do you do? I'll be right back with your salt and paper. <laughs> we select the right seat on the train and share an umbrella with our girlfriend and worry aware inspired politeness minigame collection, Ku Kiyomi. Consider it this week on How Did This Get Played? Welcome to How Did This Get Played, the show where we discuss the worst and weirdest and willingest to exploit their development teams, video games of all time. <laughs> that third W, courtesy of Cam on Top, submit yours at Get Played Pod, hashtag WWW. I'm Nick Weiger, along with Heather Ann Campbell. I'm Heather Ann Campbell, along with Matt Apodaca. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome back, Bucket. What a game we get to discuss this week. What? Uh, what? I'm I'm very God, Oh yeah, wait, I'm supposed geez. to say Edge. Edge, uh, what a game we get to discuss this week. <laughs> I forgot my catchphrase. Isn't that two weeks in a row that you've just like whiffed it? I don't think it counts as a catchphrase if you forget it. I know I haven't that's been true. introduced yet. <laughs> no, that's true. That's fair. Fair from our guest. Um Yeah, maybe it's a maybe I'll phase it out. <laughs> is is that what you've been trying to do and we just keep calling you out on it every week? Uh, maybe suddenly. <laughs> I'll keep it going. Uh, edge for everyone out there. Edge for everyone. For anyone maintaining the Get Played Wikipedia 
Uh, you can feel free to put an asterisk next to this episode as one where I whiffed my catchphrase. Uh, but I did ultimately say it. And I like I mentioned we have a great game to discuss this week. We have a, fas- a fascinating, awesome guest to talk about this game with. Uh, but before we get into that, it is time to first spend, as we always do, before we descend into gaming hell, 70 seconds in gaming heaven. Matt, let us know when to begin. Go for it. So I feel like I need to bust out, like, that Bugs Bunny meme. Uh, the Lord forgive me, but it's time to come back, uh, go back to the old me. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I feel we've been talking about Stardew Valley, Heather. Your mom has been playing it. And... I got in my head and I started a new Stardew Valley save. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I've been putting a bunch of hours into it. I'm playing the 1.5 patch, which is game changing. There is a new beach farm type and the beach farm. And if you haven't played Stardew Valley, this won't resonate as much with you, but you have played it. This is a, 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 a huge, a huge uh, design change. Sprinklers don't work on the beach farm. So you basically can't have passive income for your crops. You have to actively water them if you want to have crops. It completely changes uh, your strategy of like, am I going to do that? Am I going to still have a bunch of crops or am I going to go more with a an animal-based strategy? Am I going to be raising pasture animals or uh, fucking uh, fruit trees that I don't have to water? But And also you can fish there. Anyway, I, I remain just um, uh, over the moon and astonished at how much work the lone developer Concerned Ape uh, puts into this game. <laughs> It's great. It's it's Stardew Valley still great. It's still great. And the one point five patch makes it even better. There's more depth to it. What a game. More like more like eighty nine seconds in gaming oh, heaven, yeah. am I right? Oh, wow. Drag in. <laughs> Edge. All right. <laughs> Let me introduce today's guest. Uh, a writer for Full Frontal with Samantha B and Bill Nye Saves the World, and the author of a book about Silent Hill. Mike Drucker is here. Hi, Mike. Hello, thank you for having me. This is my voice, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> a delight to have you. I'm 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 thrilled to finally meet you in whatever in Zoom Visual, form. Non yes, yeah. <laughs> a name to a face to a voice, and I, I Mike, I've, I I know that you worked for Nintendo at some point. You worked in the game industry, and you actually worked on the localization of Kid Icarus Uprising. This is correct. That's right. That's correct. That's the 3DS Kid Icarus. Yep. Cool. How did you? How did this come about? The uh, the way that job came about was I was a uh, photo researcher at SNL, and I was uh, writing jokes for week. I was like freelancing for Weekend Update, but I started to get right. a lot of jokes on. Like oh, every week, I was getting jokes on. And at the end of the second season of doing this, I was like, "Hey guys, I feel like I should be a writer here." And they were like, "We don't feel that way." <laughs> and so at that time, uh, a friend of mine was like, "Hey, they're looking for a writer at Nintendo." And so I was just kind of frustrated and applied, and I didn't think I would get it. So when they interviewed me, I kind of blew them off. But that weirdly was a power move that worked because <laughs> usually people freak out during the interviews. Like they're always right. like, "Oh my god, I'm such a big fan. I can't believe this." And whereas I was like, I hope you guys find someone. Sounds cool. And uh, they hired me and I moved out to Seattle and worked for Nintendo for two years. So uh, were, were there any, pro- like, were you just focused on Kid Icarus Uprising? Were there other projects you were working on there? Maybe even ones you can't talk about? Uh, nothing that I can't talk about. Um, well, when you work in that localization department, and keep in mind, this was, you know, eight or nine years ago. So their right. methods may have changed, obviously. Um, first of all, Nintendo's localization department's very, very like very professional. It's called the Treehouse. It's one of the most famous localization departments. And um, you sort of worked in two capacities. One, you were assigned to a project specifically with a Japanese translator. 
Um, so like I would be like there was a couple writers on Kid Icarus Uprising. It was me and Ann Lynn. And then there were two translators, uh, John Yeckley and uh, Ethan, who's going to be so upset that his name Stockton, Ethan Stockton, uh, all great people. And, you know, you work on the game almost like you're, you know, a writing team. Um, right. Something like Kid Icarus Upper. I also worked on Mario Party 9, and Mario Party 9 is almost straight translation. You're just checking to make right. sure everything's the right things according to the style guide. Um, but Kid Icarus Uprising, since it had jokes, there was like a lot of back and forth with the Japanese team. And like, we would, you know, email Sakurai and ask questions about the story. And, wow. Yeah. And it was, and he is like, he's a genius who does not ever stop working. Like, Right. He works harder than anyone I've ever seen. But um, yeah, so we had to work on it. The other capacity that's kind of fun is you like sit in a room and you like pitch names for enemies in a Zelda game, pitch names for like non-player characters. Uh, one time we had to make, uh, I forget for what, but we had to make a swear list of like banned words for something. And that's a lot of fun to do for three hours because you're just thinking <laughs> of the worst shit you can think of. Yes. Um, but overall, it, it was an awesome experience. I will say Nintendo is the probably the best place I've ever worked for in terms of how they, wow. they treat people perfectly. They're super nice. It is the opposite of every horror of the uh, story of the gaming industry. Like, and I, I only worked in my department, so I don't know if that applies everywhere, but it was such a nice place to work. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's great to so hear. That's so heartening. Like you yeah. really want that for Nintendo. You don't want to hear that Nintendo is a bad place. Cause then you, it'd leave a bitter taste in your mouth when you're playing the vid- video games yeah like, you right. don't want to like you, you don't want to think about somebody being punished during a <laughs> mario game <laughs> <laughs> I, I genuinely did leave a bigger fan than i came in and i was a big fan wow to start with. it was wow like, i got to play basketball with reggie and he was mad at wow. me because i was bad at it like, that's amazing <laughs> yeah my jaw is dropping. That's un- yep. that's incredible. Uh, I, so it, it seems like what you're speaking to, because this is a thing just as a fan of of Nintendo games, especially their, you know, th- their localization, like you mentioned, is is top notch. And you'll see it in, um, you know, like you're like, I, I always think of the game, like the Paper Marios or the Mario and Luigi, uh, you know, RPG series where it's like. Like, like clearly it's stuff that has been written for specifically for a, a Western audience, for an American audience, you know, in, in the English translation, like you're saying, uh, Contra the Mont- Mario Party 9, it's like, oh, this is something that's been, you know, massaged to make sense for our yeah. cultural context. That seems like a and that seems it sounds like that's a big part of the job. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, a lot of yeah, a, a ton of localization is just, you know, making things make sense. I think right. that what. When fans are like, you know, just do a direct translation, you don't understand that idioms are different, that phrases are different. The way you speak in a language is kind of different, just rhythmically. And if you direct translate, a lot will actually be lost, you know? Um, And so we would, and we would talk to the team. That's the other thing is I think a lot of fans think it's still the 80s or 90s where a Japanese team hands over a bunch of Japanese and like one guy goes to the script and just does his best. We're emailing they're the team back and forth every day about it. And most of the people on the team, you know, Japanese people speak English. They can usually speak English at least like at a high school level. And so a lot of the time the questions aren't like, like, what is this? It's like, hey, just so we're clear on what this idiom means, you know, like there's like little phrases they might not know, but you're in constant communication with the team. The team knows whatever you're doing. Wow. Um, I I quickly Googled the because as you were talking about, like the one guy, you know, in the in the 80s and 90s who'd be responsible to one person. I, I Googled the name because it was a it was a name I kind of like half had in my head. And I, I don't. Ted Woolsey. Yes. Ted Woolsey from uh, 
from uh, who translated the Final Fan of the Super Nintendo Final Fantasies. And that was just like one dude just doing it on his own and kind of just making big decisions that would like, I don't know, that would just like that would uh, affect a bunch of gamers and like uh, yeah. kind of shape their their perception of game di- of in-game dialogue. It's like kind of amazing how, how things have shifted. Yeah. And the other thing that's kind of shifted is that, uh, you know, now you usually localize at the exact same time. So mm. you're really working in tandem with the developers. Well, whereas back then there would be like an eight month delay between release, translation and release. So right. it's much more of a cooperative eff- effort now anyway. Were you a Dreamcast guy? I, Heather, I know yes. you were I you got you had a you were a Dreamcast owner. I got like so the the thinking back on how long the delay was from the Japanese release of the Dreamcast to the North American release, it's like it was like it felt like it was a full year. Am I wrong about that? It was a long time. It was a long time. I think so. It might have even it might have been. I believe so. Well, now I have to look it up. <laughs> I weirdly, in my pile of books I have my microphone on, there's a Dreamcast book, and I cannot touch it now. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> so it was it was released in November of 1998 in Japan and September of 1999 in the United States. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. a long, that's a long time to look at gaming magazines and be like, is it as good as it seems? <laughs> <laughs> They've They've got like a memory card with a with a screen in it. It's going to be incredible. It's going to change games. There's a modem built in. They've got a keyboard. And then it fucking was pulled. I When the Dreamcast was pulled from shelves, when they gave up on it, I had not yet given up on it. It's the only experience mm. I have of that ex, of that experience of like them being like, nah, we're done. We're not going to do this anymore. Yeah. I, if, it still felt like it had legs when they were like, this is not worth the investment or time. It, it's uh, it, uh, I full, I was so on board with the Dreamcast. I got a Dreamcast launch day nine nine ninety nine, and I bought four games for it. I was so so excited for it, and it, that that is definitely like a. I, I, I mean, one of my big disappointments in as, as just as a as a fan of video games is like, oh, it was such an awesome system. It was so well designed. It had some really, really awesome exclusive games. And then just like it completely because it didn't have a DVD player, basically PlayStation 2 just absolutely wiped it off the map. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw I, I had the I had the Samba de Amigo Maracas. Yes. <laughs> nice. Which I don't I think my it's one of the few things my parents threw out when I went to college because they're oh like orders and they don't throw things out, but they fucking right. hated those. <laughs> <laughs> We've discussed it on this show before, and just like one of the most awesome peripherals ever. You have fucking maracas that you're shaking to mm-hmm. play a, a rhythm game. It was just like so like audacious to do that. <laughs> of course it failed. Of course it didn't succeed, but God bless them for trying. Uh, I love that like 15-year period in games where they're like, they'll buy a ton of plastic toys for music games. Yes. <laughs> this can't ever end. <laughs> um so what where do you stand as as someone as a gamer now like do you do, do you keep up with video games you're somebody who plays contemporary games are you more in the retro game space uh what are, you, what are your tastes these days um i i you know still play all types of games i have a playstation 5 xbox series x and all that jazz um i'm not an online person really like i don't mm. i find looter shooters in like to incredibly boring third jobs um, <laughs> like when I have friends who are like, we're going to spend four hours doing this. I'm like, that doesn't sound fun to me. It sounds like yes. work. It sounds like work that we have to plan for. Um, so, you know, I play, I feel like my main game is either like 
you know, I'll play, I play a lot of, I, I'm getting back into JRPGs after like 15 years of hating them for some, for no real reason. Uh, getting back to them, I'll play horror games. Obviously, I like horror games a lot. Um, and I also like artsy games. Like, if there's a game about sadness, I will put it in my Steam cart. Like, any game that's like, this is about, like, a young boy who's sad and it's 15 minutes long. I'm like, great. $10 spent. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, I love a, I love a short game. I love a short experience. I love a three-hour experience, especially if you get it on sale. Um, and I guess that ties in with this week's game. Uh, but wait, do, uh, talking about JRPGs, do you have any recent ones you played that you like? I'm in the middle of Dragon Quest XI, which is Hell the yeah. world's uh, nicest hug of a game. Yes. It's so it's so fucking good. Heather and I have both played it. Um, it's excellent. Matt, you've dabbled in it as well, yes? I'm about halfway through it. I pick it up every so often, and I, I, I get my, my, my hands dirty in there, and I have a great time, and then I put it back down and be like, okay, till we meet again. And then I... <laughs> uh, but I love that it has like a previously on when you load a save. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, Every game that does that should win a Game of the Year award. Any game that when you load a save is like, here's what's happened. It's such a godsend. It's mm-hmm. like adult mode because like you, right. there, like you, there's no way to keep track of all this shit. Like every time I load up Assassin's Creed, I'm like, what the fuck is? Who are these people? <laughs> also, with that game, which I love, like all the way to my teeth, I love that game. Everybody kind of looks the same. They're all scarred and disfigured short men, and they're like. They're like, we have to storm the lights to shared castle. And I'm like, oh, I don't know whose side I'm on in this fight unless I scan you guys. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it, it is such an adult experience because like as a kid it would never be an issue. But it's such an adult experience to be like, oh, I haven't played this game, this 40 hour game in two weeks because yep. I've just had shit going on. And now I just die. I try to get back in and I'm trying to look at the quest log, trying to piece together what I should possibly be doing. Ultimately, I'm just going to look online because I no, I just have no context for any of this anymore. Yep. It, it's yeah, I I love that in Dragon Quest Eleven. That's such yeah. a cool, uh, cool deta- uh, cool thing to, that they threw in there. So this would have uh, been I, this would have been a way to use the VMU to go back to the Dreamcast for a second. Like please. your saves are on the thing and it has a screen. You should have been able to cycle through your saves and see what was going on in each game, wow. like when you last saved. What amazing. a great application yeah. for that insane peripheral (laughs) what were you gonna say nick i interrupted you to just come up with an idea (laughs) i love it so it's a great idea with lots of uh practical applications 20 years in the past uh i i do want to i do want to i did want to shift topics to (laughs) uh to you mentioned horror video games and how did you come to write a book about silent hill 2 well, there is a uh, line of books called Boss Fight Books, which I'm sure most of your audience knows about already. And I met the, the guy who owns the <laughs> audience <laughs> listeners. I don't know. Listeners. <laughs> listeners. Audience. What? People. My fans, mom. You're your talking mom. to my mom. <laughs> I didn't know you like, had like a, like a catchphrase name for them. Like the never platers. And I'm like, all right, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. The never platers. The never platers. <laughs> um. Uh, uh, yeah, so I met the, I met, I was a fan of the series. I kickstarted it since the very beginning and I happened to meet the guy, Gabe, who runs the publisher and he was kind of like, Hey, do you have any pitches? And I sent him a pitch for Parappa the Rapper and he's like, you got another pitch. And I sent him a pitch for Silent Hill too. <laughs> he was with Parappa. He was like, do you know anything about like music history? And I was like, no. And he was like, okay, let's do Silent Hill too. So I did Silent Hill too. 
That's amazing. Did you, so in the experience of, of writing the book, like I, I imagine you just uh, revisited the game, replayed the game, like really sunk your teeth into it. I played the game on different consoles. I played the bad HD, uh, like upgrade of the game for Xbox 360, which you can still get on Xbox One um, or Series X now. Um, yeah, I played the game probably in chunks eight to 10 times. Wow. Um, you know, getting different endings, uh, right. following walkthroughs so I could see everything, trying to make sure I didn't miss things and, you know, still inevitably missing things when I checked fan sites. Uh, yeah, I played through the game. It took me like a year to write the book. So it was eight to 10 times over a year, not like a weekend. But <laughs> yes, yeah, I got intimate with that game. <laughs> We, we are big fans of the Silent Hill franchise here. Do you have a particular favorite in the... I mean, is it Silent Hill 2? It's Silent Hill 2. Uh, the, book, the book is primarily about Silent Hill 2. It's definitely... I would say Silent Hill 2 is my absolute favorite, followed by Weirdly Shattered Memories, which I thought was a hmm. really fun game. Is that the Vita one? That is... No, that is the uh, Wii one that was also on PS2 and PSP. Gotcha. That, that, yes, PSP. That's what I meant when I said Vita. I was thinking PSP. <laughs> Because <laughs> they're both effectively the same little device, but yeah, yeah. one is one is fancier. Um, so I okay. What is? We know that there's a canonical ending of Silent Hill Two. Is it your favorite ending, or do you have a, a preferred ending to Silent Hill Two? My preferred ending is what people consider the canonical one. Um, it makes the most sense, uh, which is, it's a 20-year-old game. It's basically the guy was dying the whole time and he was, like, drowning in his car because he committed suicide out of guilt. Um, but as you play the game, there's a lot of water, like, themes. There's a lot of water imagery, whereas the first game had a lot more, like, fire and metal. This one has a lot more, like, rot, sort of moisture. And to me, that sort of, I'm like, yeah, okay, he was drowning to death while going through this right. time filled with water. That's probably how he died. So, yeah, I, I, I like that ending, but... Um, what I what I like about the game also is that the endings aren't determined by overt choices. So, you know, it's not like fucking Knights of the Old Republic where you, it's like you can stab him or you can help him. Like, you know, there's endings based on if you look at an inventory item enough and you don't know that there's nothing that tells you that. So I kind of like that the game in its own way plays you for the ending. Ooh, ooh, I like that. Ooh, yeah, that was nice. Thank you. Put that on the box in 2001. <laughs> oh my God, 2001. You just said when the game was released, and I felt, I felt again like <laughs> in the Indiana Jones guy drinking from the cup. I just yeah. watched, watched myself get older on the Zoom call. Yeah, <clears throat> the slow decay of time is really something as a gamer. When you're like, I've 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 noticed some uh, a meme lately where it'll be like, what like think about Fallout like like ten years ago. What do you think it looked like? No, it actually looked like this, and it'll be a, you know I mean it'll be like a. You're you're picturing the fallout from the the overhead isometric fallout, and it's like no, that was like when Fallout Four came out. You fucking idiot! Yeah, and it's just like you're. It's so like uh, there's so much of that. Yeah, the 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 PlayStation Two and the the Dreamcast being 20 years old is just. It's a day I never felt would come, and here we are. <laughs> I love it when you see the the memes that are like. When did you start gaming? Pick your controller, and it only yeah. goes as far back as the Dreamcast. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh my God. <laughs> God. Um, are there any are there any horror games you've played lately or that that you've been into in, in recent generations? Um, there's a there's a new amnesia game, uh, which has been pretty good. I only played a little of it. 
I, I, I'm, I'm getting more and more into VR because I'm oh, an wow. asshole with expendable Ooh. income. And, uh, <laughs> I recently also got a new laptop that can finally run VR relatively well. And so I've been playing this game called Duck Season. And what Duck Season is, is it, it, it starts off as like, it's like, oh, this is an 80s retro thing that you play a kid in a living room and you're playing like a duck hunt analog. And the more you play it, the weirder and more fucked up it gets to like the point where you literally have a situation where you know you have to turn around and don't want to. And uh, uh, it's, it, it, it creeps up on you. It's a wow. horror game that doesn't like you can tell it's a little creepy from the look, but it, it sort of it's it's a it's a slow burn horror game, which is kind of rare in games. Usually horror games like jump into the horror really fast. And this is a real right. slow burn. I, the idea, because I'm already, I'm very, Matt and I are both uh, cowards, and yeah. we are very, very scared by horror games, and I feel like, I mean, I feel fated to die with a VR headset on anyway, <laughs> but I but I think a horror game in VR would accelerate the process. I don't know how my heart could possibly take, like, if, like playing PT in VR, I would uh, die, I would just die, I, I would, would be a dead it. man, I'd I be a corpse. <laughs> you can handle it, Heather. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, I, but yeah, I, yeah, I could. But also when I say it like that, if I was a listener, I'd be like, oh, she's such a edgelord tryhard. It's just it's so it's very hard for me to be like, this is really happening, even in right. my regular life. Like, I feel like such a detachment from my own existence that in, <laughs> in a rare occasion that I see a car wreck, I'm like, huh. Is this real? <laughs> I I don't I don't know anyone else with VR, so I would love to talk VR for just a second. Have you oh, played uh, Squadron Star Wars Squadron? I have. It is it is great in VR. I don't like it on I. Um, I tried it on PlayStation VR at first and that was a little too blurry, but playing it on like a relatively good PC with VR, it's amazing. It feels, um, it feels like, you know, when you were a kid and you went to those like big arcade games that felt like, yeah. just, like you would sit in it. That's the feeling you get from it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so great. Oh man. Wow. What a great time we just had talking about a VR game. <laughs> <laughs> Always have to talk VR. <laughs> I gotta get a headset. I got. I guess I gotta just take the plunge at some point. I, I, I am, still. It's still a little confusing to me in terms of what to get, especially as a PC owner. But what we're gonna say, Heather. I am so torn between like doing because PS Five announced that they're going to do uh, PSVR two, and I'm super psyched about that. I love the look of the controllers, but I I also have, like I've been flirting with the idea of building a gaming laptop for two years now. When am I gonna do it? And if I did, I would want a VR setup there. I want VR. I want more VR. I wanted. I wanted it in my house. I wanted it in my life. <laughs> and I'm gonna. I'm gonna say uh, with that television money, you do both. You both of them. <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, that's very kind. But I work in uh, uh, animation money, so it's not, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> so you have a podcast to supplement your income, is what you're saying? I mean, like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, well, this week's game is Kukiomi Considerate. Heather? Well, hey, can I say something about this mm -hmm. as we begin the section that I normally start? 
Which yes, is, please. there is not a Wikipedia article for Kukiomi. There uh, is not. It was released August 30th, 2018 initially, developed by G-Mode uh, and published by Peer Corporation and G-Mode. It was uh, released on the Switch, the PlayStation 4, Android, Microsoft Windows, iOS. You can get it on the Steam store. But when I go to research this game, it's a little bit like a black hole. Who knows where it came from, why it was <laughs> developed, or why it was released? I, I I generally have, like, resources to pull from. But Kukiomi, it's mostly just, like, PR stuff. Uh, like, there's a, you know, you know, the official page on Nintendo Switch, and it says... See how considerate you can be without worrying about what others think. The smash hit game Considerate is coming to Nintendo Switch with some new problems to consider and a two-player mode. Take it wherever you go. The uh, gameplay of this game is you are presented with a situation that is obtuse and nearly <laughs> unreadable. And you have uh, two options for control. You can use the D-pad or, or what do you call, thumbstick, analog bit, the nipple. <laughs> You can you the can nipple, you can it. you can thumb the nipple or you can uh <laughs> press the A button and you have to try and figure out how to be the most considerate in each uh circumstance. So sometimes it's a a train and there's a little bit of space next to you for people to sit and two people come up. Do you move over or do you move uh, do you get up? What Make a choice so that the other people can sit on the train. Sometimes you're presented with a puzzle that's like dominoes are falling and you have to fall in sequence. But some of these games are akin to WarioWare yes. uh, puzzles where you have no idea <laughs> what it is that you're supposed to do. And even what is interactive. There is a point where you are on a comedy show. So we've gone from... Like etiquette and table manners and staying in line to you are a man in a vat of water <laughs> on a comedy show. <laughs> be considerate. And yeah. you, you have to try and be like, uh, I don't know what I don't know how that applies in this situation. Well, yeah, a lot of it is like it, it seems like, OK, I'm trying to it's it's whatever's uns, I'm trying to read whatever's unspoken in a social situation. So, for instance, in the comedy show, it'll be like. Your guy is uh, on a comedy show and he's like, oh, the water's not that hot. Like, that's what his thought bubble is. But if you're going to be considerate of your audience of this comedy show, you can press a button to jump out like it's piping hot and, and act like it's super hot because that's giving them the comedy uh, show that they want. It's it, so, yeah, there's a lot like that that are kind of like a little bit inscrutable and and. Uh, it, and but I don't know. I mean, for me, that was part of the fun of the game. But but Mike, you pitched this game to us. Uh, why did you want to cover uh, Kukiomi? Because uh, it's both a game that you ever have a game that you both love and find inexplicably bad at the same time. Mm, like, yes, not, it's, it's so bad. It's good. Like your brain is cut in half and it has two different opinions about a game. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that we, we, we're not really noting is also is it doesn't tell you if you did the considerate thing. So no. you're just like, uh, and then like every five levels or so, five scenes, it'll be like, you're kind of considerate, but it doesn't tell you anything about it. There's a lot more Japanese text than there is English text. So you're like, you're giving me something and I have no idea what you're telling me. Yes. Yeah. So the evaluations will be things like it will say considerate, plainly considerate, <laughs> very vaguely considerate. <laughs> None of them seem better or worse than any other. <laughs> they all seem like it's just, you could, you could, I intentionally just like failed like five of them in a row. Cause again, you get that evaluation every five levels. And I just got, and it just said, consider it. And I was like, I don't know what, <laughs> you know, like, 
I don't know what I'm supposed to be, how I'm being evaluated here. Well, well, for you in that case, this the evaluation was considerate of whatever you were going through. So the game was <laughs> like, oh, he's failed five in a row. You know what? We'll just give him a considerate and say he did a good job. I think what's what's neat about the game is that there are there's a, a, a huge reliance on Japanese specific etiquette. Like you're mm-hmm. given an right. escalator. And if you are from the States or you're from the UK or the other European countries, <laughs> uh, you won't you you wouldn't necessarily know, oh, here's two people on an escalator and they're talking and they're not moving up the escalator. What should they do? Well, you know, if you've been to Japan, that you have to stand on one side in an escalator, which, by the way, is the greatest evolution of uh, social courtesy. I don't I wish this was normalized the world over like like DVD, like the release of DVD was universal. And I wish that moving to the side on an escalator was <laughs> universal. Um, but if you're presented with that as a puzzle, you don't even know what the puzzle is. Like yeah. if. Yeah. Um, Hmm. I I disagree with you on that particular one because I fucking nailed that immediately. I was like, oh, I'm blocking the way. I got to move to the right. Ah, I see. I see. But yeah, some, some, but it is like, uh, and and I, I've and somewhat internalized. Okay, there's one side for standing. There's one side for walking on an escalator. But yeah, it's not like a thing you like learn in the U.S. It's not like that's like a national custom. So there are some things like. There are some that where it's like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing and I, I don't know what I'm what, yeah. what's success and what's failure. Uh, we, we haven't touched on the aesthetic of this game, which I found very pleasant. It's like all line art. You know, it's all like like uh, it, it's 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 just white and black. And then you're you're whatever you're you're controlling as a player character in each individual warrior wear length scenario is red. So like it could be a person. It could be an entire crowd of people in some sense. In, in some sequences, it can be like a dog. It just depends on whatever the scenario is. Um, and it's kind of fun. I do like the chaos of like, oh, wait, what am I playing in this one? OK, I'm a sumo wrestler. There's two kids. What the fuck am I supposed to do? Right. I'm I'm a, I'm a person in bed. There's a ghost. Oh, I'm supposed to be scared to be considerate. Yes. To be polite <laughs> to the ghost. <laughs> to be polite or there's to another, the ghost. You, per, you be scared. <laughs> yeah. And there's a, there's there's ones with Santa where it's like, I guess I'm supposed to stay sleeping so that I'm polite <laughs> yeah. to Santa or uh, there's a, a bear one I still didn't figure out. I didn't know what you're supposed to do. Like, are you supposed to play dead? Or are you supposed to be like, I couldn't figure out how to be scared <laughs> of him or run away. Thank you. I think you're supposed to play dead in that. Art. Play dead. Okay. Maybe, maybe now I don't know. And I'll never know because they don't tell you. <laughs> they don't tell you. It's like this weird existential game that just doesn't tell you if you did the right thing. Right. Which Which is very much like a social experience where you're like, hmm. I think I did the right thing. By telling everybody to stop talking at the top of my lungs at that party and then exiting out a window, but like I won't ever, <laughs> I won't ever know because it's hard for me to read social cues. Um, yes. What there was one that oh okay I have a, a theory on one of the games, which is that you're at a sushi bar and there's sushi going down the 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 path and there's a chicken in the sushi bar next to like a group of people sitting guess, at the bar wearing a suit. My guess was that you were supposed to take the egg sushi so that it wouldn't make it to him because I thought that would be inconsiderate because he'd be like, what the fuck? There's eggs in this sushi. So I took all of the egg sushi, but I have no idea. What did you guys do on the sushi level? I don't remember what I did on the sushi one. Um, um, 
I, I looked it up because I had the same. Th- I was like, oh, is there going to be like a some sort of chicken dish? Is there like a chicken leg that's going to be going by? But oh, no, it's all pieces of sushi. And then it's like, oh, yeah, the tamago, the egg is what you yeah. should be. Ta- but I didn't piece that together until late. Like, I read a guide that said that's what you're, you are supposed to do that. You are supposed to take the egg ones because I guess he'd be upset if he saw there was egg sushi in front of him. <sighs> Phew. I'm glad I accidentally I ate that. a lot of sushi. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't figure that out. And it's like a clever puzzle. Yeah. And and there's also, but then like the so there's other food related ones. Here's another one. There's there's kind of a uh, uh I forget, it's not shabu shabu. It's there's a there's a grill in front of you, like a charcoal Yakiniku. grill on your table. Yeah, so it's it's one of those situations, and you're there with a companion. And I was like, okay, what I'm supposed to do, there's a piece of meat grilling on the compa- grilling on the uh, you know, on the grill. I'm supposed to pick this up with my chopsticks and put it on my companion's plate because that's the polite thing to do. That's apparently not the correct answer. What you're supposed to do is take it and put it on your own plate because that I guess it's just like probably like a customs thing of just like, oh, that's what. Yes, that's what you're supposed to do there. It's like you would use your own utensils for your own food. You Mm. wouldn't serve it to someone else Uh, for whatever reason. But like in in uh, like as far as what I've grown up with, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I would, of course, serve everyone else first. Yeah. It, it's funny to think that you would have been unintentionally disgusting in that scenario. Yeah. You would have been like, <laughs> and also really cocky about it. You would have been like, I got this. Here you go. And everyone would be like, oh, fuck. Ugh. That's in his mouth. <laughs> I will say there. there's also an inconsiderate mode. I don't know if yeah. you guys saw that. And it's yes. weirdly easier to know what's inconsiderate. Like, even in the same mini games, I'm like, I know how to be an asshole. Like, when yeah. there's a couple making out and you're supposed to walk by them and you just walk up to them. Or that when there's another scene where you're at a zoo and there's, like, a lion fucking and you have to, like... <laughs> The considerate thing is to not watch. <laughs> yes. The considerate, you're there with your date, and I guess she would be offended. So you try, you're, the, the way you, you win, quote unquote, win that level is by walking off screen. But if you walk just right up to it, that's very inconsiderate. Uh, but but then and also the lion's fucking returns in another like in a later <laughs> thing when you are doing a relationship quiz with your it's so confusing. It's like you did a personality test or a relationship test with the same companion. Yeah. And it's all, and like, look, I've got the results and they cut to the shot of your computer screen. And on the screen is a shot of the lion's fucking in a window. <laughs> and the way and I guess it's supposed to be implied that like you accidentally opened your porn or something. The way you are considerate in that scenario is you close the window, uh, but if you it, you can also maximize the window to be inconsiderate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> full screen, baby. Yeah. I also really enjoy when you're dating. You're going on a series of dates, and you also date other women because you're generally sometimes you're the woman, but most of the time you're the man in the dating scenarios. And when you're dating the other women, they are robots and they are cows uh, because you're dating all kinds of people. And then what would be considerate for a human is inverted because you would never take a robot to a rom-com. You'd take her to a robot movie. And so your initial (laughs) date was take your girlfriend to the rom-com. But once you're dating a robot, you're like, oh, she wants to see the robot movie. I'm going to go to the robot movie. Um, It I, I I. I loved this game. It was <laughs> delightful. I, I had a lot of fun with it as well, Heather. And it, it definitely, especially in considerate mode, which Mike brought up, and that that gets unlocked after you finish the considerate campaign. The considerate campaign, which is not uh, not all that long, so it's pretty easy to do. The inconsiderate mode made me laugh out loud a number of times because some <laughs> of the scenarios are like, oh, so here's one of them. 
It's you are next. You are a baseball player at the bedside of a sick child. <laughs> yeah. And and he, you, your quote is, I promise to hit a home run for you. <laughs> then it cuts to you're at the plate. And the, the way you win is you knock a dinger out of the park. But that you can just choose to, like, not swing at all in that situation. So you just made a promise to a child that you chose to break. (laughs) Can I ask, speaking of that slightly morbid scenario, because I read that the kid, my reading was that the kid was sick, right? Yes. Uh, we uh, spoilers for the end of this game, which is only a hundred little mini games long. So y- you'll see the ending if you play it for like 20 minutes max. Is the implication at the end of this game that the girl you are dating is dying and you are holding her, her mm. hand and she is saying, I am so grateful for you because you were so considerate because it's all in past tense. It's like saying goodbye to somebody. It's in past tense. You're holding their hand. There are dating references. So is, is this game about a guy whose girlfriend dies at the end? I kind of, I kind of had the same thing the first time I played through it. I was like, wait a minute. What? It's it's (laughs) weird. It is grim. And there's, yeah, and and there's and like the scoring is kind of tied to like the the beep of an EKG machine. Mm-hmm. Um it, it it's it's a weird sort of tender unearned ending. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I like I don't know it worked for me cuz also the game has a sense of humor about it. And and it also it does kind of have a darker sense of humor at times that baseball level I mentioned, but then also I don't know if you if you all Heather you probably are familiar with the anime Grave of the Fireflies. Yes. which is a very famously just it's honestly one of the hardest movies to watch I've ever experienced. I watched it by myself and I was just like I'm never watching this again. It's this it's these survivors of uh uh, is it, it, it survivors in Japan? These two children who survived the the war and are living on their own in a cave and gradually starving to death. Huh. And the game uses those characters, like versions of those characters, yeah. in kind of lighthearted scenarios where it'll be like, "I hope we get something to eat today," and then the level will be a mushroom sliding towards a Mario character. And if you jump in time, the mar- the mushroom sails underneath you and into uh, onto their plate. Uh, so it's, it, it, it kind of has that sort of, it, it has that darkness about it, but also just like there are other parts where there are other video game inspired levels that are similarly, like there's like a Tetris level. There's a Zelda level. The Tetris levels are like, it's a row. It's a giant robot. And you're trying to place a Tetris piece to like either become make uh, become his arm in one of them or cover his uh, exposed genitals in another. Every There's- one of these mini games sounds like a dream that we're describing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> there's also there's also a Tetris game where you're playing as a sort of a heavy set guy who seems kind of lonely who's playing Tetris, and that mini game it, the considerate is just to play Tetris. Like there's no <laughs> other twist. It's right. just like, you know, move the piece over so that the guy can like play Tetris effectively, which is like a, a meta meta game because yeah. you're playing, you're just playing Tetris, but you're playing it on behalf of somebody else who's playing it. Like he is right. sensibly <laughs> playing the game, but you are him playing the game. <laughs> <laughs> what I got from that is this is you. 
this is what you are doing. And so to satisfy your gamer impulse, actually play this game for once and yeah. do what you would normally do. Uh, it, yeah, so it, 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 there's a lot of that. I, I like, you know, I like some of the ones where it's like, there's a there's just like a, a group taking a group photo that's like that says YOLO and it's just like all you're supposed to do to be considered is just pose the same way or like yes. the ones where you're trying to time dance moves to everyone. I thought those were like fun or doing the wave. I actually love the wave stage yeah. where you have to like time when you're going to jump up for the wave for the right, right time. There's also like I like there's like little tiny other stories too. like there's one scene where you're like a fat guy in a room of thin people auditioning for something. And, like, you have to, like, raise your hand when they call you. But then another scene, you see that that fat guy's been cast as, like, a Power Rangers-type character. Yes. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, it made me feel good. Because I thought, like, the, the the considerate was that he was, like, clearly not the right person. And right. because he's fat, he's bad. And then I was like, oh, he wasn't bad. He was good. <laughs> yeah. The considerate thing to do is cast him. And he yeah. was cast. And then you have, when you're, when you are him doing the power rangers you have to pose in the right direction which is not entirely uh mm -hmm. like it's it's another just a insanely obtuse puzzle because you can pose in any direction and i've never thought oh the power rangers the guy on the left is posing to the left the guy in the middle is posing up and the guy on the other side is posing all the way to the right like i've always just been like they're all just posing <laughs> like, I, I, like it's never made any particular sense to me but if you pose like you can pose down or to the left but you're supposed to pose to the right um i i think i got him fired i i feel like i <laughs> i feel like that's why he ended up playing tetris because i read it as the same guy <laughs> oh probably um, <laughs> Returning to inconsiderate mode, one thing I like is that there is a way to be inconsiderate and then there is a way to be like extra inconsiderate <laughs> that you can kind of figure out. So, for instance, one of them is like you're walking towards a presentation and if you uh, and the considerate thing to do is you're, you're at the front of a classroom, you're going to to walk in front of the projector. The considerate thing to do is press down to duck so that you don't block the presentation. The inconsiderate thing to do is just to not duck and just to keep walking at the same pace and you're going to block the presentation momentarily. The really <laughs> inconsiderate thing to do is when you cross uh, the uh, when you cross the uh, the projector to press the jump button. And then you can you can block the entire screen. And it's like I, I like that they they threw things like that in where you can be like you can not just, uh, you know, nudge the person off of you when they start sleeping on your shoulder on the bus. You can also like get up and move to a different seat or exit the train entirely. Like there's things you can do to be even more insulting. Yeah, there's that scene like where you're like buying food and it says like your bento box is heating and you're supposed to move out of the way so another person can come to the register. But you have enough time to back up in front of him even yes. before he gets to the counter. And it just feels, and it felt so shitty to do, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> I, the, the, the similar thing, there's one where your girlfriend is like, oh, I could really go for a coffee right now. And then she's also like, it's she's very hot. So it's like, okay, I'm supposed to get her an iced coffee. But then you can go to the machine and get a hot soup. <laughs> 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 another question about this game uh the targeting is where you're looking right so like uh, in an in a scenario where everybody around you is ordering beer the considerate thing to do is also to order beer which is yes. baffling uh but 
There are times when you were like on an escalator and there's a girl at the top of the escalator. Are we to understand that the target is where you're looking and thus you're looking up her skirt? That's what I thought. I thought so, yeah. Or or at a more charitable interpretation, like at her at her ass. Uh, I, I the the yeah the considerate thing to do there is just to like tilt your view down or look over at the other businessmen on that down escalator. So then, when there is a point where a girl falls asleep on your shoulder on the train, and when she does, she spreads her legs just slightly, and you learn this because she's sitting on the opposite side of the train. When you revisit that scenario later, you are facing a group of people and there's a bunch of arrows that point towards the girl. Are we to infer that they're all looking up her skirt and that's why you wake her up? Or what was happening? Oh, is that there? what's happening? Uh, yeah, I think that's. Yeah. Oof. All right. Nasty. That's nasty. <laughs> Sick freaks. But <laughs> consider it to wake her up. Yeah. That's yeah. True. <laughs> um, I liked ones that I like the more fantastical ones because it was fun to just sometimes you you would this the solution wouldn't make sense as considerate until later. But it's like, you know, the uh, the kaiju who's de- deciding which planet to attack. And then the, the considerate thing to do is to attack the planet that has the where the hero is home uh, and uh, or the the like as a pro wrestler when you're in a pro wrestling match. And a guy's going to jump off the top rope and it's just like, oh, yeah, the considerate thing to do in this context is to make sure I'm in the right position so that he hits me with his frog <laughs> yep. splash. Like, I, I, I loved ones like that. When you play in two player mode, uh, you sometimes in those scenarios will play at. So one will be the jumper and one will be the person on the mat. And it becomes immediately more complicated because like you can say hit me i'm gonna move i'm gonna move under you hit, hit me but there's no way to convey like go center and i will go underneath you in a moment where something is suddenly happening uh yeah. same with like the walking scenarios it is amazing how difficult it is to just have two people walk at the same speed when their characters are moving at different speeds yes yeah and in two-player mode that's what happens you it's very it's it's twice as awkward as soon as you allow another person to play the game with you um and also serves as a metaphor for why it's so hard to be socially considerate because you're trying to mm. outthink somebody else who's trying to outthink how they might think that you're considerate <laughs> right it's a it's a, a fascinating game. I, I assumed when I started playing it that this was an instructional tool uh, commi- commissioned by the government, perhaps. But it's clearly not that. It's just like sort of a chaotic an exercise in chaos. Um, but I guess we should get our to our final thoughts on Kukiomi. Consider it. It's time for our review crew. <laughs> So we'll each say something positive about this weird game and give it a numerical decimal rating. I will begin every five levels. As Mike mentioned, you get a little evaluation based on how considerate you are. It's completely unclear as to how you did, but the music that plays is very satisfying regardless. Uh, Let's hear a little bit of that. What a nice little gentle sting. Yeah, great. Delightful. Uh, I I don't know if this game is worth full price, but I think it's a lot of fun to play. So I I don't know. I mean, it 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 made me laugh, and I I enjoyed my 
two hours and change with it and seeing almost all of it. So I'll give this, uh, I'll give it a 7.7. Uh, Heather. Um, this game was a delight. It is always a pleasure when I can hand my Nintendo Switch to my girlfriend and say, play this. And then she can just play it, knowing as much as I know, hearing her be like, what, what is happening? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> and my only reply is, I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, it's, it's. It's one of those games where that lets you that here's what this game makes me consider is that we don't have enough kinds of games. And why is this the first time 50 years into the existence of video gaming that there is a game where you have to move out of the way so that people can sit on the train? That should have been day one. That should have been like in the 1970s. Uh, so I love it. Um but in the tradition of the game itself, I will be giving it a moderately good. No, wait. Um, I'll be giving it a moderately seven. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go, go ahead, Matt. I, for me, I mean, I laughed a lot. I laughed at the one puzzle where you have to pose and it says YOLO. But my absolute favorite, favorite one was the band one. And it's you're, you're watching a band. Um, and in considerate mode, you, you cheer after the song's done. And then he gives you like bad news, this lead singer. And he's like, my grandma just passed away. And so you're not supposed to say anything. And then he's like, and then we're also, we're breaking up the band. So you're not supposed to do anything, which I think is funny. If somebody, if that happened in for real, there would be some sort of reaction, not just dead silence. But, um, the reverse of it in inconsiderate mode is hilarious because you don't do anything for when the song is done, but when he gives you this terrible, terrible news, you make your audience cheer, and it's very, very funny. <laughs> My grandma's bad news, everyone. My grandma just died. Yeah! <laughs> very, very funny. And then also this text from Inconsiderate Mode at the start of it. Please be inconsiderate and mess around. There is no explanation, so just go nuts. I love that. Um, yeah. I had a blast with this. I'll give it a... Um, I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it a seven point five. Wow. Uh, um, I uh, bought both uh, it two and three, which are available in the Switch store. <laughs> <laughs> there is more to be considerate about. Um, I enjoy this game. Uh, sort of, sort of like Heather. This is like it's a fun game to show people. It's mm -hmm. like a because you know, like when you have friends who don't play games and they're like, I don't know how to play, and you're like, here's here's weird shit. You just press one button. And so it's a super, I don't know, I really enjoyed it. Um, I also kind of hate it because <laughs> I don't know if I'm doing the right thing and it crushes me inside. Um, and I don't want to look up like an FAQ because that feels like that's cheating, which is inconsiderate. Um, but I would say, I think 7.5 7 is right for that. Wow, well, there you go. We're all in the same ballpark here. But Heather, maybe we're wrong. Maybe we were wrong. We've got reviews from all over the internet that pro ugh, that provide us with a contrary opinion to the one that we've just formed. So if we liked the game, these will be negative reviews. And if we didn't like the game, they'll be positive reviews. So you can't just tune into this segment and understand it without context. You have to listen to the whole show. Uh, so I have a negative review from the Steam store, uh, which is from 
Rio Azrael. Uh, he's got 108 games in his account. Uh, and he played this for 1.1 hours. It's not recommended. They write, while I like silly games like this, I have to consider this game as not recommended. Reasons are, there is no configuration. It ran at 2,000 frames per second for me. Clicking the right arrow moved the character right to the edge of the screen. I saw that same thing come up a few places, the 2000 FPS bug. I think it has been patched since release. I played it on PC and it was fine. But yeah, I think a thing to watch out for is I, I think some people have been having problem, problems with it running at a super high frame rate or just not being able to uh, make the input work. Um, I Yeah, I had, a, I had trouble finding too, too many negative takes on this game that weren't just sort of like kind of bleh, but I did find an interesting comment. This is from the Game Grumps playthrough of this game. Uh, shout out past guest Aaron. Uh, and the Game Grumps playthrough of this game is very entertaining. If you just want to see some of this gameplay and don't want to buy it for yourself, you can check that out. Uh, but here is a comment from Ansel, and this is something we touched on before. I love that this game doesn't tell you if you're wrong or right, just like a real social situation. So later you can lie awake at night going over every social interaction you have ever had Wondering how you haven't been exiled from humanity yet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I also think to the game's credit, it does not sell itself that more than anything that it is. It's like the right. game's called considerate. The description's like, be considerate. Like it, you're not going to buy If you buy it and don't know what you're getting into, it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have one other negative review, and this one's from Roger Ebert, uh, which was written in 2010. Uh, he writes, video games can never be art. <laughs> <laughs> Having once made the statement above, I have declined all opportunities to enlarge upon it or defend it. That seemed to be a fool's errand, especially given the volume of messages I receive urging me to play this game or that and recant the error of my ways. Nevertheless, I remain convinced that in principle, video games cannot be art. Perhaps it is foolish of me to say never because as Rick Wakeman informs us, it's a long, long time. Let me just say that no video gamer now living will survive long enough to experience the medium as an art form. Again, that's wow. uh, that's a, that's you know maybe we were wrong. Maybe this is just all <laughs> garbage. <laughs> R.I.P. Roger Ebert. Um, I uh, <laughs> I will say that it's it, it's he was an open minded guy. And I do feel like he kind of, I think if enough time had passed, he would have eventually come around on video games, even though he's pretty strident there. Hey, it's time for the question block. Ding! This question is from at Fred Ridinghood on Twitter, and they write, Before Hades, I never thought I would enjoy a roguelike. And back in the day, Heavy Rain sent me down a path of exploring interactive drama games. Are there any specific games that turned you on to a new genre that you had no interest in before? Uh, yeah, there's a game called Considerate that really turned me on to the genre of being considerate in games. <laughs> um, this is a, this is a good question. I mean, I, I, boy, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, of an answer that isn't just like a big, huge genre staple. Cause it's yeah. just like, like Hades is, is like the the apex roguelike and that mm -hmm. I think got a lot of people into roguelikes and maybe will be the only roguelike you like because it's just such a such a perfect design. Um, 
I will say that I had not played a, a, I don't play a lot of first person games. And as flawed as it was, playing Cyberpunk, I was like, you know what? I gotta be, I gotta stay more open minded to this genre. I, I think because it's, it's basically a, you know, a, it's basically just a big old open world RPG. Uh, uh, but I still like it, like I was able to appreciate it. Uh, but also appreciated like the gunplay elements. I was like, oh, the, the 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 combat actually feels really good in this game. So that's a that's a recent one. Um, Heather, anything come to mind? A game that got you on board with a genre you were previously skeptical of? I you I feel like there should be an answer for this, and I can't I cannot think of one. Like the the genres that I don't play, I really don't play. Like mm-hmm. sports games, there hasn't been a sports game that has like tipped me onto the side of sports simulators. Um, And I feel like I play all the other kinds unless I don't particularly love puzzle games. Uh, But if you think of Braid as a puzzle game, I certainly finished Braid. Uh, I enjoyed The Witness. Um, I I just find puzzles tedious most of the time. Um, I hear... This is this is a weird answer. So I I have hated all of the Assassin's Creed games until uh, this most recent one, right? Until Valhalla. And I do think that after I play Valhalla, I will play the next Assassin's Creed game, which isn't a genre, but is such a hallmark of AAA development that to have not enjoyed any of them and purchased multiple titles and been like, I still don't like this, mm-hmm. to suddenly have it click will open up those games for me in the future. I think that's a great answer because it's oh, okay. like, yeah, it's, this is a this is a series. This is a franchise I couldn't otherwise get into except for this one entry. Yeah, I think that absolutely speaks to the question. Well, then I uh, nailed it. I nailed that answer. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, anything come to mind? A game that, that was like the outlier of I don't normally enjoy this, but I enjoy this one? Um, I, I'm sort of in Heather's camp where it's kind of hard because I play most things. And like a lot right. of the games that are coming to mind are more like, Oh, civilization introduced me to the 4X genre, but it's not like it convinced yes. me it was good. It just got me yes. into it. Um, that's a t- you know what? Honestly, going with sports, I'm not a sports game person, but the most I've ever been interested in sports at all as a whole thing is NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. And those two felt like, oh, this I understand what I'm doing. I understand what a football play is when I pick this. Um, and Tech Mobile to a lesser, uh, you know, and so I don't know if it's one specific game, but like, I can't play sports games unless they're actually fun, which someone right. should work on. Um, <laughs> also, you know what? Also, maybe I'm wrong, because I also like sports games if it's like a robot or an elf throwing the ball. So maybe I'm just an <laughs> asshole. The, the answer is actually I'm an asshole. Uh, I, I wonder. I can't. You know what? You know what? Here's an answer. It's not, I wouldn't say it's spot on because I didn't actually hate visual novels. I was just never into them. And I think Hatoful Boyfriend got me into them. I was like, oh, these oh, can yeah. be creative and funny. They're not just like romance novels for teens. I, that, I, that's a great answer. I, visual novels I've gotten more into because of this podcast. We played a bunch of them. I'm like, oh, that, these are, these are generally, there's a lot of these that are just fun and interesting and, and a great, like almost passive experience, which is sometimes yeah. the mood you want when, a, when you're playing a game. I've got an idea for a game that combines both of these things. There should be a Ted Lasso sports game where the only way to manage your team is to be nice to them. And so you have to like make decisions 
based on like who it who feels bad, who feels good. It's not quite a dating simulator, but yeah. you would be like, oh, I've got to I've got to talk to this 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 guy more often. He doesn't feel seen and he's having bad games. So then dependent on how you manage the team by talking to them and being kind to them and listening to them, then the sports themselves are like autoplay. And you just watch the game to be like, is it going to work out? Are they going to pass to him? Or are they still <laughs> mad at him about like what he said last week uh, at the after party or whatever? <laughs> uh, yeah. Is, is it, did it work out? His star goalkeeper fell asleep on his shoulder on the train. Um <laughs> Did he move away from him in time before everyone looked up his skirt? <laughs> hey, uh, hit us up with your questions on Twitter and Instagram. I get played Potter. Send us an email, get played at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 616 play. That is 616-275-2933. Our music and engineering is by Devin Bryant. You can follow him on Twitter at BaffleGabs. And our guest has been Mike Drucker. Mike, thank you so much for being here. What a three! What a thrill to talk to you uh, about vi- about all things video games. Thanks for sharing uh, your history with Nintendo, your Silent Hill Two book. Uh, anything you would like to plug at this time? Uh, well, yeah. If you uh, Silent Hill Two by Boss Fight Books, you can get it from their website uh, in a physical form or from the Kindle store as an ebook. It's only five dollars as an ebook, so there's no reason you shouldn't buy it. And also, uh, full frontal with <laughs> Samantha B. Wednesdays ten thirty on TBS, the Superstation. <laughs> I have been told not to say the superstation and I will always say the superstation. <laughs> uh, thanks Mike. And Matt, oh, what's next week's game? Next week's game, Mortal Kombat. Goodbye everyone. Goodbye, Bucket. Edge. Edge.